Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. I'm your host, Jillian Moss-Backman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Last week, we completed the series, Change, Can't Live With It, Can't Live Without It, with lesson number three, using the energy of love to affect change. And it just so happened that it falls and fell on the week containing Valentine's Day, so that was really good timing I I would love to say that I planned it that way, but it just kind of fell off that way on the way that I uh, laid out the lessons plans. But I'm happy to report a lot of you listened to those last two programs. And it's very reassuring in my heart to know that there's still a lot of other believers who trust in the healing power of love. Thank goodness. If you happen to miss those shows, you can certainly go back and re-listen to the last two shows or any other shows that I've done so far here at Blog Talk Radio. All you have to do is go to Blog Talk Radio, go to my page, Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, and look under the archives section. They're all marked by the dates and uh, titles, so you're able to find it that way. The other option you can use, of course, is using my own website at JillianMossBackman.com, and I'll spell that for you, J-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-A-A-S-B-A-C-K-M-A-N.com. Yesterday, I went out to lunch with a really good friend of mine, and we had a really frank discussion about the great loss and tragedy of whiskey. Whitney Houston. And I know that everybody has covered this topic from beginning to end and and will continue for the next couple weeks and, of course, the next couple months. But there were just a few little things that I wanted to tweak and talk about myself in the, in the series today. So I'm going to take a small break from introducing the series that I'm going to pop on next week, which was Superhuman Powers in the Quiet Moments, Lesson 1. But I want to reflect on the latest casualty, which is the loss and sad reality to addictions of Whitney Houston. But first, I want to rearrange the schedule of the show. In the past, I used to use the last remaining minutes of this show to give a brief calendar of upcoming events as they were coming along for my book tour. As a part of the computerized system part you don't know is that I wear an earpiece. And so about 90 seconds on a countdown towards the end of the show, this lovely lady comes in with a pre-recorded message 
telling me and alerting me that my show's going to be done quickly. So I can tell as I listen back to the archives myself that I get very flustered. And then I start rushing like a mad dog to get it all done before my time is all gone. And I only managed managed to get half the information out, and then the rest of it you all have to figure out on your own. (laughs) Well, today is a new day, and I'm not going to do that today. So I'm going to reverse the order a little bit, and I'm pulling up my last segment to the very top, and I'm going to share with you where where I'm going to be for the next couple months on my American book tour for Beyond the Pews, Breaking with Tradition and Letting Go of Religious Lockdown. I have a question for you. How many of you have attended a local in-house book event for a featured author that's coming into town? Now, I've gone to several here and there of my all-time favorite authors, and I always enjoy the closeness that you're able to get with them and you're able to ask them questions and have a dialogue of that backstory that I always talk about on writing a book. But now that I'm in this literary world, I didn't realize how crucial of a tool these have really become in the business industry of bookstores in this ever-evolving economy. Well, as you can imagine, this industry has been hit particularly hard in the last couple of years with the advancement of technology and, of course, the Internet. And they are starting to cut out these author events because of cost and advertising and everything it takes, manpower and women power, to put all these programs together And so they're trying to lose, you know, avoid losing their own business altogether, so they had to make cuts. So as an author and a reader, this reality started to really tug on my heartstrings. Because think about your own lives. How many of you have grown up with trips to the bookstore with your parents? And then when we became parents, we started taking our kids to the local establishment. I can remember dragging my little kids (laughs) to the bookstore almost every other week because they had that amazing children's section, and they always had good authors in there. And they had tons and tons of things, stimulus things to do for little kids. I just can't imagine a world without these lovely places to gather for ourselves and our children. And as parents, how are we going to replace this significant place if they're not gone anymore? So as I started getting into this, I realized that if we don't start paying attention and start lend a helping hand to these establishments, We've already seen one big store head down the road of foreclosure. I don't want anyone else to do. But we are at risk and being threatened to lose these modern-day gathering places, and soon they may become obsolete and even extinct if we don't pay attention. I really get the convenience of the candles and those boxes things we carry around. I just got one, the iPad things. Anyway, 
But the bookstores represent something greater than the books that it contains. They really keep our traditions alive of what I was talking earlier. There's really no place on earth that brings all these different kinds of people together, like a bookstore and even a local library. Like everything else, I understand this has to change too. And I also agree that I can't stop the progression of change into the modern world. But I can certainly do my part to prolong the fact of extinction as long as I can. So I really am in this place of honoring each and every bookstore that has allowed me for these in-house book events that are coming up. And I feel that it's a privilege that I've been given to be able to meet and greet with all the people that come to the bookstores. So I encourage each one of you to come out and support these same kind of events in your local areas with all your bookstores in your local communities. Go out there and mingle with like-minded crowds, and you may be surprised. You may find new connections if you're venturous and willing to risk the chance to meet new people. So this is what I've decided to do as I hit the road and travel out. I'm going to make sure from now on that I tell you a complete rundown of where I'm going to be so you too can add support for the bookstores. So as I was trying to figure out how to put all this together, I really loved writing my book, and I've already started my second book, and the segment two is partly a piece or two from the new book that's coming out in the future. But I also loved radio, so I really had to figure out how I was going to compare those two together the modern technology and tradition and get them done both simultaneously. So I decided I would pair up Internet radio, blog talk radio, and the bookstores and combine them together. So what I'm going to do is I've created a portable studio and I'm going to be out on the road actually doing my radio program from different bookstores that, I, that I'm going to attend and have programs in. So I want to let you know my first test run is coming up. I'll be remote broadcasting from Viva Bookstore in San Antonio, Texas on March 6th, my normal time from noon to 12.30. Now, I did have to do a little bit of persuasion to the people that own the bookstore and run the bookstore, so I have to make sure I do a really good job because they've never heard of an author who wants to do an event and include a live podcast from their own location. So I have to applaud them. They're very brave souls to let me do this, and thank goodness they trust me enough to pull it off. But actually, it's not that hard. I use my iPad as my portable studio and my iPhone as a mic. With the technology we have today, which is a good thing for this part, is that the connections are so incredible, it won't make any difference where I am. So put this on your calendar if you're in the area of San Antonio, Texas, and I know there's a large community down there that I work with. It will be March 6th 
from noon to 12:30 Central Station Time, Central Standard Time, for my radio show live in the bookstore, and then. I will be doing in a book event later on that day from 2 to 4 p.m., which they're calling Conversations with Jillian. It will be more of an informal question and answer session about my actual book, Beyond the Pews. I love this idea. It gets me out of the office. I can promote the event for their bookstores in a new and different and diverse element. And then I can meet and mingle with you guys, and we can talk about the book and anything else that you, that's on your mind. So I'm actually planning on replicating this wherever I go now across America on my tour if it falls on my regular times of Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon. So the next scheduled time I have on my, on my schedule of events is that I'll probably be broadcasting live from New York City at the North American Book Expo that will be held from June 4th through the 7th. You know, I get really bored, so I have to always keep pushing my own boundaries of what I want to do in the world. After the break, I want to talk about an excerpt from my new book that will be coming out in the future and how it applies to addictions and specifically the death of Whitney Houston. We'll be right back after this short break. back. This is Jillian Moss-Backman to Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Before the break, I mentioned that we were going to start talking about the second book that's coming out um, in the future. Who knows? I'm always writing. I'm always preparing. But, you know, I just got the first one done. I thought we could ride that out for a little bit, but I have too much to say 
and there's so much going on in the world, like I was talking about, that everything's moving so quickly. I have to keep up with it. I have to keep writing, and I have to keep sharing. You know, um, I'm done with this first series, so I am working on putting that ebook together of Change Can't Live With It, Can't Live Without It, which should be up in the next couple weeks. I, too, am learning how to do that Kindle conversion and ebooks, and that's fun. It's just going to be a really short um, version of what I did in the radio programs, but those added lessons as I talked about before. You know, we spent a, the last couple weeks talking about change and how it's such a vital part for everyone to stay relevant for healthy personal growth. I'm not sure if you noticed, but in the discussions, I never mentioned what happens to people who refuse to make changes. They give up that bad, to give up their bad behavior and self-destructive patterns. In extreme cases, they actually dig in their heels, digress backwards from change, and become indignant to help from the outside world. Have you ever thought about what happens to the mind, the body, and the soul of a person that lives and acts like this in the world? Unfortunately, some of them become so unreachable, they lose touch of all reality. And in extreme cases, like the one we just went through with Whitney Houston, they lose their lives. They get caught up in this world that I've labeled the lost world of in-between. Now, to fully understand this world and the way it comes across, and I've seen so many times, we have to examine the time leading up to this misfortunate event in Whitney Houston's life. It's usually a zone filled with energetic states of confusion, resentment, and anger that taints the human sacred triangle. Now, when I'm talking about the human sacred triangle, I'm referring to this part as the mind, the body, and the soul or spirit, whatever you want to call it. It's that inability to sort things through in your own head now and independently problem solve for themselves has become absolutely non-existent. Not only can they not do that for themselves, but they get in this zone of unchangeability and they absolutely reject anyone from the outside of their lost world for assistance. It becomes a strange interdependence on illusionary antidotes to provide a cure for their sick mind, body, and soul. I know that sounds really in-depth, but basically what they're doing is that they're using their addictions or their mental illness, or their particular problems that they have as a way of self-medicating. And by doing that, it creates this artificial energetic barrier 
from what we would call the normal energy condition. They actually start believing that these antidotes, in this case pills, alcohol, whatever you want, hold the key to their ultimate success in life. From the outside looking in, they appear to the rest of us like they're traveling through this time in a lost, sick world that's isolated unto themselves. Now, if you haven't experienced this of seeing it in other people, my suggestion to you is really step back because, to be honest with you, we've all dealt with people in our lives nowadays that have some kind of addiction or mental illness issues. It happens in every family. I don't know if you want to talk about it. It's not anybody's business. I think that part is a very personal part to whom you share that with and who you hold it back from. But if you start paying attention to these people that are in your in your lives, you'll see while the rest of us are growing and changing and moving forward in our own patterns of growth, they look like they're trapped in a tunnel of the unchangeable. Think of it like this. It's like an hourglass filled with quicksand. We all know quicksand. We've all seen those those uh, old-time movies where someone falls into the quicksand and they slowly fall to the bottom so you can't see them at all. It's like that. They traverse back and forth between the same old issues that they've had for years, it seems, with no way out, and they don't have any innate personal skills that they've lost and that they've learned along the way and have lost because of their addiction or their mental capacities to change. What I find fascinating about this whole part, however, this is the part that I see different than other people. I have worked with many, many people that work, that are trapped in this zone, so to speak, You would think these people are void of any spiritual connection to a higher essence. Now, I can't address all the cases in the world, so don't hold me to that. And I can't can't apply this rationale to all the people in the world. But for the ones that I have worked with in my own field work, I have found the contrary. In the case of Whitney Houston, she's a perfect example that we can look at. Think about everything they've been saying about this young woman. Her spiritual underpinnings were deeply rooted in her faith from the very beginning of her childhood. If you want to put it in a perspective, you could even say that she is top-heavy on the soul side of that equation I was talking earlier about mind, body, and soul. I have found through the work that I've done that there's many other alleged addictive personalities that have this high sense 
and relationship with the soul part of this triad. And to a certain extent, I've found that this bond sometimes keeps them in the loop of addictions instead of helping them get out of their own lost world. Because they are so highly tuned in to those energetic forces that I was talking about in the series of change can't live with can't live without it. If you'll recall, I talked about those energetic forces between destiny and free will choice. They are so connected to these universal forces, they have trouble maintaining an equilibrium between the lost world they find themselves in and the real world that the rest of us live in. The soul is so wide open, they have trouble keeping grounded in the world of the physical and mental continuous changes we all go through. They simply separate energetically and float almost like in this strange parallel universe with the rest of us. Now, if you have people in your life, we can't do anything to help with Whitney. And I'm quite sure that she had many people around her that were trying to retrieve her back from this lost world. But if you have people out there in your own personal lives that you know are in this lost world, the one of the strongest methods, of course, is use all the traditional therapies and modalities out there. But here's the key to something that I have found. They are also heavily involved in religious or religious-like organizations. If you have ever been around a recovering person, in this respect, addicts, and if you ask them the truth of how they pulled themselves out of this lost world, the majority of them are going to tell you that they attribute their success of sobriety or whatever they call it to religious and religious-like organizations and programs. You have to remember, these people have the ability to escape reality and go into this lost world anytime they choose. That's the part people have trouble understanding. Whether they do it consciously or unconsciously, they simply detach and they have no idea how to get back home, so to speak. These kind of organizations, religious and religious-like organizations, AA, I will say, they actually give these people a structured forum and how to teach them to ground back into the world and put boundaries on their spiritual travel, so to speak. They wouldn't understand what I mean by that. But what I'm saying to you is with the religious organization, they give them boundaries. They give them concrete statements, almost like mantras that they can repeat on a daily basis, an hourly basis if they need to. They have other people in the facilities 
and organizations that have gone through them. And what they're actually doing is helping this person ground their soul into a routine and something they can rely on every day. It's like putting rocks in their pockets (laughs) so they can stay put and deal with what's right in front of them. They're not allowed to escape when they want to and when it gets difficult. This kind of spiritual work actually can cause the energy to slow down in the soul. It helps them bring into a workable plan instead of this wide-open gap and free-falling business of the soul being wide open to every energy that comes through. So if you have someone in your life, use all the modalities you have, but understand it's also a soul issue that can be worked with through religious organizations and AA. Next week, I want to start into lesson one of the next series I'm going to be doing, which is superhuman power in the quiet moments. Remember, you can always follow me on Facebook or tweet me at Jillian Moss Backman. You can get my entire schedule of upcoming events at JillianMossBackman.com. But between now and next week, please remember, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary for growth. I'll see you all next time, same place, same time, Blog Talk Radio. 